Thanks for waiting, everyone. We're back with the newest episode of Power Spike, and it's brought to you by Trolley Sour Bright Crawlers, the multi-flavored soured gummy worms that want nothing more than for you to chew their delicious sour heads and bodies into pieces. They beat, or they crawl to the beat of their own yummy gummy drum and are truly unlike any other gummy out there. Degon, Monty, and Dom here to break down World's Swiss. I also... I also found some in Korea. Finally, I know you guys. What are those? These are glow sour worms. glow worms. They're they were made in Germany. So you know, Trolley is originally a German company. So I have the German versions out here. <laughs> Wait, what are glow worms? Do they like glow in the dark? <laughs> no, I think they, like, they're radioactive. Just, I think they're the same as the sour bright crawlers, just uh, oh. with the the German name instead. <laughs> oh, we're getting it. Okay. We're getting it. We've got. I found the peach rigs, the octopus. And the, so. the the glow worms now. I'm right. on the hunt for the sour bright colors. Also, shout out to the person who lives in Korea and left a comment on our last video saying where to get them. So they're here. They're here. All right. <laughs> Can't wait till we go pick some up, Monty. We'll go shopping together. Because I've got... <laughs> The PUBG version, dude. <laughs> There's a PUBG version. There's a Diablo yeah. version for a while. There's a Diablo version. They're going hard in the gaming space, man. Yeah. Well, cheers to Trolley for making that making it happen and making sure that you guys at home have the premium world's takes that you want so go thank our friends over at trolley make sure to get your tongue twisting mind warping sour thrills at trolley.com and again i eat this while we're doing the show i mean I, <laughs> we we only serve you what we actually would use so. uh, yeah they're great they're great um well, all right let's get into it world's first ever swiss stage I, I kind of want to react quickly to the format and then to oh boy. the draw uh, so far. You know, we had a bunch of the best of ones. It was long days. When you think about it, the longest a team could play, which is, I think, what G2 could possibly do, is if they go, if they win, win, and they play three uh, best of three series, you could have up to 11 matches how did you feel about this first week of the Swiss format here, Monty, as our format expert? I know that you don't love it, <laughs> well, but we love it more than what it was before. I and my fellow KT fans hate this format. Um, <laughs> for, I, I, look, people are excited about it so far, and I do think that to this point, this is not where you're going to see the flaws in this format. The Where you're going to see the flaws is by the time we get to the 2-2 two, two round and we end up with something like really fucking ridiculous like yeah, like, uh, like cloud Weibo 9 versus energy yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be like cloud 9 versus fanatic or i mean cloud 9 versus energy or energy versus fanatic for a spot in quarters and i think that's where you really lose me on this one because teams like KT have had a much harder road LNG. Now I think they might be, you know, they're probably the favorite against KT. I think that's very fair to say. Um, but even if LNG somehow loses to KT, then they're going to be potentially in another situation where you get like, you know, LNG the, versus BLG or something like that. Right. Yeah, even I mean, G2 the, versus NRG is pretty fucking ridiculous considering yeah. that G2, uh, you know, got their first two wins over. I mean, people. Okay. Let me put it this way. Many people thought that G2 would be an underdog to D-plus and Weibo. I did not. I expected them to win both of those games. Um, so I think the favorites won. They run into Gen G, and now they just have a cupcake match in order to get out, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the main thing is this, right? The way that the format fails is if the team, so, so you're going to have the first pool, which is going to be like whoever wins out of LNG, BLG, T1, and KT, two of those teams play against Dom Juan and Weibo. That's where you end up with like the the failure because whichever two teams lose out of that 2-1 bracket and play against Dom Juan and Weibo, like if that ends up happening, then that guarantees another Western team in quarterfinals. And it's just going to be like, it's going to be really fucking weird because you could have something where, because, because the draw is random, six, seven, and eight, it's all random, right? You could have something yep. where Fnatic plays against G2 in quarterfinals. Meanwhile, you have, you know, like fucking LNG playing against JDG or something like yeah. or, or, or or T1 playing against JDG in, in quarterfinals as well. So this is like the biggest problem is if you get these matchups in the fucking 2-2 stage, because, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the way that teams have gotten to their positions. And obviously the biggest flaw of, of the entire Swiss format is that once again, the teams are not ranked properly. Like the North North American shouldn't have a North American team should not have a pool one seed. And the fact that energy has that pool one seed made their, their run so much easier than a team like Dom Juan, for example, or a team like KT, like KT is a better team than energy. If they played sure. a best of five tomorrow, KT would win like 99 out of a hundred times or something. But KT, because they're a pool three seed, they have a significantly harder job to actually make it all the way through. And then NRG also just got lucky with the draw. So I don't know. I mean, people were really like, they were kind of happy or something that there was all the civil wars on Swiss day too. But to me, I just like, I keep on being in these situations where it's like, this didn't actually make it that much better. This, this draw, this draw that we just got was the best draw we could have fucking got, but it could have been fucking terrible. Like it could have just been Weibo Dom one. It could have been Weibo Dom yep. one immediately. And, and it could have just been like, you know, G2 playing against fucking LNG and then G2 playing against like an, another fucking insane team in, in the 2-2 stage if they ended up losing. Like you could end up with a dog shit, terrible draw just as easily as you ended up with the good draw here. Actually, it would be more easy because a lot of the, the situations that happened were like 33% chance to hit. Like you ended up in, in situations where BLG matching against T1, that was a 33% chance, right? Like if that doesn't hit, then a Western team doesn't get this automatic qualification spot. Like if that ends up being an energy draw or a G2 draw, you know, then the, the format is not even close to as exciting. So I think that the, the main issue with this format is that it feels like it can go wrong so easily and the teams are not ranked appropriately. Yeah. One thing I'll say is that I would be more comfortable with this Swiss stage if they just had double limb in the quarterfinals. Like quarterfinals on, they have double limb. Then I think that it's more tolerable. You, you'll you get a couple teams probably qualifying to the quarterfinals that shouldn't. Maybe like one or two will end up making it just based off getting a lucky draw. But at least then in the quarterfinals, you'll get an accurate one to eight ranking. My biggest issue now is that because of the Swiss stage and because things are randomized, a team like LNG could be the second best team of the tournament. We don't know if LNG yep. or Gen.G is, is, is actually better, right? And because Gen.G ended up playing against the weaker team in G2 as, a pair, as, as opposed to LNG who draw, drew JDG, you end up in a situation where you could have the two best teams on the same side of the fucking bracket meeting in semifinals. And once again, you have like the real finals and semifinals um, of the tournament. And all of this would be fixed with double elimination. I, I still think like, obviously I'm in favor of double elimination for the reason you're saying, but I still think the issue is, is that this format 
is designed very intentionally to give upsets and increase the chance that Western teams actually make it into quarterfinals, in which case there is an argument to be made that these are not the best eight teams in quarterfinals. So even with double elimination, you know, we might see a team, uh, you know, we might see a team like KT, uh, or Weibo or D plus or even T one, not even make quarterfinals. Like that's, that's a very real one of them. Definitely will make quarterfinals. Yeah. One of them yeah. will, will for sure not make quarterfinals because G two and energy is happening. Yep. So one of the Asian teams is guaranteed not making quarterfinals. Yep. Like we already know that. I mean, it, it was, it was very obvious. We'll reiterate it here again with the Reddit post that was made about how Swiss stage worked. Bef- if assuming that every single Western team lost to every single Eastern team, every single time that a Western team played an Eastern team, there was still over a 66% chance that <laughs> a Western so team makes quarterfinals. That's <laughs> if they lose every single match. That's if G2 lost to Dom Juan every single time they, they lose just based off the draw. There was still over a 66% chance that you get a Western team if they can never beat an Eastern team. Yeah, and I think I think to G2's credit, they've shown that they deserve to be there with the wins that they've had. So I'm not trying to take it away from G2, but somebody is probably going to squeak into the quarterfinals, you know, whether that's Energy or Cloud9 or Fnatic, uh, it, unless the draw the Swiss system falls exactly right. And even then, this the seeding's probably going to be kind of messed up simply because uh, we we already saw, of course, the the LNG JDG matchup, and those could be the top two teams in the world. They could end up on the same side of the bracket. Uh, what, what is, cause kind of like what you're saying is I feel like it creates a little bit of chaos. And as we've highlighted before Monty, uh, a lot of the tournament makers will pat themselves on the back and be like, what a great tournament that we've had. It's been so exciting. We've had some upsets and we had the best teams make it on through. They're going to pat themselves on the back. Even though Monty, uh, Dom has made the point that, Hey, look, this was one of the best draws that we could have gotten. What is the amount of tolerance for chaos that a bracket would have or i guess a format would have that you would want to see compared to what we have now (laughs) zero like i want to watch the best teams play each other right i don't want randos to get into the bracket um i would design tournaments very differently than this swiss system with uh, obviously double elimination and probably a more robust uh gsl group stage system i might even do something crazy like you know multiple group stages you could also make an argument to do something like ti has done over the last many years i think the best iterations of the internationals formats did have the round robin play and they were seeding uh, teams based on their round robin results into different phases of a double elimination bracket, right? So if you got a, if you placed lower, sometimes you were placed in in the bottom part of the bracket, right? So you didn't get double elimination. I think there are there are ways to do this. There's an there's an infinite number of ways you could make this work. But Riot has, and I will say this, upgraded from the previous group stage system because at least now every match matters, and it. I do think that there's a better chance for the best teams to get out, but at the same time, you're still, it's still not an ideal format. And a lot of people, you know, we're just kind of guaranteed probably to get a very mixed bag in the quarterfinal matchups of some total fucking blowouts. And then maybe a 2018 scenario where we see the two best teams play each other in quarters and that's it for the rest of the event. Uh, Also, yeah, I'm a bit of a dummy. Why are we not, seeding the next couple of teams that qualify on in compared to random drawing like i guess everyone that isn't one two right is that how that works or is it no. one two three four are seated and then it's random draw everyone else yeah no they they should be seated to a certain degree 
um, like the last two teams to escape should be the ones that face off against uh, Gen G and JDG. Right? No, I, th- um, I, th- I think it's six, seven, and eight. Oh, I think six, seven, six, eight. Oh, okay, got it. I think got six, it. There's seven, no way and to eight do are all randomized. I think that it's because they, because they're just like how how do you see them? I think you well you draw from the six, seven, eight pool. I would assume. Yeah, but yeah, that's but not seeding. That's that's what Dom's see, saying. Six, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah, do you yeah, how do you see six, seven, and eight? Is my point. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to take them randomly and put them against Gen G and JDG. Uh, yeah, it could exactly. be. I mean, Riot's favorite thing is like average game time. Who the fuck knows? Like what? No, no. I mean, my understanding is that. Three, four, and five are all uh, just randomly seated, and then six, seven, and eight all are all randomly seated as well. Great. So those are just like what you end up with. Also, Digon, you do not want to ask me about what I would do in in a world's format because if it's up to me, I'm bringing like one NA team, two EU teams, and like eight fucking <laughs> Chinese teams. All right, bro. Yep. Like it's just like like I I don't give a fuck. I want to see the best teams in the world play. I don't care where they're from. And, yeah. like it just is what it is like if tl is losing to to gam like if if that's how bad the third seed from na is i don't need to see a third seed from na at worlds like it doesn't do anything for me it honestly yep. probably detracts Correct. from my experience having to like be depressed watching us just lose <laughs> to vietnam so yeah again again <laughs> for the record uh you never lost to vietnam right dom i did lose You're to correct. vietnam but i lost <laughs> to vietnam in a game that didn't matter once we were already both eliminated okay so yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. Um, the Gam win, really cool, historic, right there. Uh, I was right, by the way. I called it. I called it that you did. Gam, Gam was better than Team Liquid, and Team Liquid was, in fact, the worst team at this at the Swiss stage. So I'm very. I, I I I just look. You can you can hate on Gam for whatever reason or think they're not very good, but I think a lot of people were like blinded by the brand of team liquid in the West and didn't really, I, I mean, this team doesn't have carries that can function. Like basically the team liquid game was the best possible game that they could have played against T1. Like that is the best iteration of team liquid when Pioshik is popping off on Lee Sin. But at the end of the day, they still have APA and yeah. Yun as the primary carries and summit a guy who can't use teleport. So <laughs> it, it, once they failed in that game, I knew it was just fucking over for them because they they were not going to play a better game than that one in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, that I, was I, I, I don't I don't agree with that at all, because I think that like playing your best game against T1 means that like, like you could play at a worse pace and a worse uh, level and you can still beat Gam. I think that they played significantly worse against Gam than they like played even nor or they could play even normally i think they played under the level that you'd expect and they like choked out of their fucking mind so like to me <laughs> like i think that that as soon as they lost the t1 like i actually had more hope because i didn't even think they could play a game that good period yeah <laughs> well we'll dive we'll dive deeper into the performance of the west including our two squads that go out in 15th 16th place uh last place of swiss uh, BDS and a team liquid, uh, in a bit, but let's look forward first because we're not done with the Swiss stage. Actually, one of the most exciting parts of this format is, uh, as, as Fion tweeted on out friend of the podcast, um, Mr. Referee that does the draw. The draw is so exciting. We got phase two out here. Thank you, Mr. Referee. For if you're a Western fan, getting either NRG or G2 on in, you get another Civil War, ma- or I guess like West versus West matchup here again in Cloud9 and Fnatic. 
Um, what do we think of our phase two matches here for round four and round five? Uh, Cloud Nine Fanatic, Weibo, Mad Lions, uh, D Plus, and Gam, upset minded Gam. You know, the, 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 the plot armor is there with D Plus, but we'll see. Uh, LNG against KT, G2 and NRG, and uh, BLG versus T1. I mean, which one do you want to start with? Whichever one jumps out at you the most. I mean, I think BLG T1 is, is something that jumps out at me immediately. I think it's it's funny because, like, when BLG has played T1, like, BLG, I mean, BLG shit on them at MSI. T1 has not looked good in this tournament. I mean, they had that one good game against Cloud9, but it's, like, nice, Cloud nine. I guess. You beat a fucking West, like, <laughs> nice. You beat Cloud9. Like, you stomped the shit out of Cloud9 when they drafted Jax into Rumble and they drafted <laughs> Belveth without topside. It's, like... I guess I, I, I just love how they they like R five Belveth in that matchup after picking a losing matchup. Then they fucked up Belveth's path pathing because the Jax was in a losing matchup, and then they just all died top lane anyway. It was just so fucking cursed that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it was a, it was a horrible game. I mean also it's like if you think about like how they have to play, like Belveth needs to have pace in this game. Belveth needs to be ahead of, of Jarvin in terms of tempo. But Belveth had to play so that Jax can yes. can actually get his level or his uh three wave crash into fourth wave proxy into base off. He he was playing to try to secure that so that he so he walked into the enemy jungle, dropped a ward on blue, um, and then the Jax is able to proxy that wave, get a base so he can buy null magic mantle so he can actually lane. But in doing that, Belveth puts himself behind, and then on yep. a second clear, he just gets invaded by yep. the Jarvan, and the whole game is fucking over because once he's invaded by the Jarvan, he loses his flash. And fudge gets they dove, dive jacks. And then you, yeah so it's like it all just snowballs from from well, this one thing i mean it's it, also whoever, the, i mean they 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 knew like cloud nine knew that there was a raptor ward and so when belveth crosses over river like the, the belveth is seen so they know exactly like t1 knows exactly what's going on they know the pathing they know the timing and so it becomes really easy to invade after that yep I mean, it's really easy to, to invade, but then it's also they just know that Belveth is slow. They're like, oh, this guy is just walking around in the fucking river. So awesome. Like, we could just do whatever we want um, from that point. But then also, like, just the, the drafting. It's like, I, I, I play a lot of Belveth. It's like one of my most played champions in solo queue. And you always want to play Belveth with a strong top side. Like, if you're going to play Belveth, you want Renekton or Rumble on your team in a competitive game. You want some some laner top that is going to be super strong for the Herald fight because Herald transforms your champion into something completely fucking different. Why would you ever R5 Belveth when you have a losing top matchup? It is so fucking stupid. Like, whoever, like, whoever made this decision should just be fired straight up. They should just, they literally just don't know the game. They're just bad at fucking coaching league or they're bad at understanding league. Whoever made this decision is just bad at their job. And they, they like, I don't understand how this mistake can ever happen. Like who, who is sitting in that fucking call? Like who is sitting on that stage and like, yeah, we should get Belveth here. Yeah. Belveth looks good here. Of course you're going to fucking lose the game. There's no chance for Belveth to exist in this game. So I, I'm just like, so like triggered with, with the way NA drafts. Like, why does NA, NA, look, here's one thing. NA is the only fucking region in this tournament that is consistently R5-ing jungle. Why are you ever R5-ing jungle? Like, it makes no fucking sense to R5 jungle. J jungle, 
there's not enough. It's not an OP enough role, bro. Everyone else is like, first pick Maokai. Let's get an early Jarvan, like Lee Sin early. Like you're trading all these champions. Oh, Sejuani early. Why are we R5ing jungle? We R5 Sejuani and Belveth. Like it is so <laughs> fucking stupid. Like you can watch what the other teams are doing. I don't understand why we are so fucking bad at drafting still. I love it. Uh, I guess salt into the wound. <laughs> least amount of damage in that game and i remember seeing this pull up on the graph was not the rakan it was belveth rakan had 3.9k belveth 2.6k damage dealt to champions yeah you can't uh, play the game like you you literally just can't play the game it's yeah. it's so fucking useless to pick a champion like this yeah so uh, a, a little brutal there for the cloud nine team and as we were making the point here t1 getting a, a boost in the odds and boost in, uh, I guess, the eyes of uh, fans as well here in this matchup against BLG. So uh, we'll keep an yeah. eye on that one. Well, this is a great time to talk about our sponsor mm -hmm. for Worlds Esports Bet. Because right now, as usual, the odds are absolutely bonkers in the next round for the, the match that Dom was talking about, BLG versus T1. VLG is currently a betting underdog at 2.1 to 1.75 for T1. So T1, again, the fans always boost these numbers. And Dom, you, are you going to take them? Are you going to take them this week? 100%. This should be your 100%. dream. 100%. Like, it's not even that I think that BLG is necessarily, like, significantly better than T1. It's just, it's what I said last week um, with the prediction that I made. It's just about... The fact that T1 should be slight underdogs. Like, I think that T1 can win. It's a best of three, but they should not be favored versus BLG. There's no reason no. they should be favored against BLG. BLG BLG has looked better so far at the tournament. T1 has had some awful games. I mean, the, the Gen G game was, was really bad. And then the game that they played versus TL was also really bad. They had one yep. good game versus Cloud9, but I don't understand how that brings so much legitimacy to this team. You can tell that T1 is behind other teams when it comes to macro. And BLG is like one of the strongest teams when it comes to Drake fighting and Baron fighting. And they they always just have this like aura, like tenacity about them where you just know they aren't going to give up um, in games and they're going to keep on fighting. Plus the history between the teams, like same same rosters, BLG won last time they faced. So I don't Easily. understand at all why BLG is considered an underdog to T1. No, it just no. doesn't make any sense. So 200, 200 on BLG here. I like I think I think this is insane. Um, I think I think BLG are pretty heavy favorites. To your point, Tom, even in the match they won versus Cloud9, T1, it, it, like it, they arguably had they faced a different team with a more veteran AD carry would have lost that team liquid game. And then on this one, sure, this game was impressive. T1 is good at stomping people. Like we've seen them do horrific stomps on the, the worst teams, like some of the worst teams in the LCK. What do they do well? They snowball some leads. If you give them the momentum to start diving turrets and pressing an advantage, they are good at that. But if they face opponents that are similarly skilled to them, they can fall apart. And by the way, Faker was a fucking passenger in this game. He did nothing. He didn't do anything this whole game. Like this game was primarily won by Zayas and owner, right? And so I, I, I think that Faker still obviously not in the same great condition he was in the spring of this year. And they're coming against a BLG team. Well, they might be slightly diminished or also going to have their issues. I mean, this is definitely, I mean, for, for us at LFN, this is our match of the week with eSports bet. 
And that means that, you know, you guys, as you know, you can enter if you if you bet over 10 bucks on this match, you'll be entered a raffle to win up to 20 USDT. But if you bet, it's doubled and you can actually enter the raffle for free by commenting on Competitive Edge over on the Esports Bet YouTube channel. So check that out there as well. Now, I'm going to take KT because I'm a, a glutton for punishment and they're <laughs> at 2.3. Do I think that LNG is the better team? I do, but I like these odds for KT. So I'm going to throw 100 USDT on this one. Uh, just because I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. I think LNG is probably going to win this game, but those are some good odds for for KT overall. I you guess, got one, Degon. Yeah, for <laughs> me, Monty, I, you know, I'm looking at it, and this is just not a good week for, uh, or not a good day draw for LCS fandom here. G2 against NRG and Cloud9 getting shellapped uh, by T1. Uh, again, 0-15-0. That's the score. That's what Cloud9 has picked themselves up against. Against a Fnatic who's, you know, starting to find their footing. And Fnatic, the underdog in this one against Cloud9. When we talk about fan bases skewing uh, a I think a, Fnatic's a, a the favorite here. Another. Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> you take this because of the odds there. Do I want Cloud9 to win? Of course I want them to win. Will I pick them to win? Of course I'll pick them to win. But if I have to bet on it, give me Fnatic at the 2.1 compared to uh, yeah, yeah. Cloud9's 1.7. So there you go. Yeah, that, I think that sounds fair. Um, so yeah, they, you guys can play along at eSports Bet, obviously, for free as well. And we, of course, with the referral link, still have a 50% deposit bonus up to 100 USDT. Join their raffle. They've got Discords, uh, or join their raffles in the Discord, in the Giveaways channel, and uh, you can enter there as well. So lots of opportunities to play for free, get free money, uh, comment over on Competitive Edge on YouTube with your, your username, or just go ahead and bet on our match of the week. Uh, I would pick... Like Dom did uh, BLG. That seems pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, we teased it a little bit earlier. Let's really get into it right now. Two teams from the West already out. Lots of lost. A couple about to knock each other out in Cloud9 and Fnatic. Um, Nad Lions facing a an uphill battle for their tournament lives against Weibo. Let's get to our segment of this week's episode. Everything's on fire. The West's performance in the worlds. Everything's fine, right? Everything's fine. You know, G2 probably going to get in. They'll do some damage once we get to uh, the knockout rounds. But honestly, I don't, you know, it, it feels really good. For the VCS, for GAM, the investment that has been put into that region over the last two years has been big. Plus the fact that they've had the opportunity to play internationally at Worlds taken away because of COVID. It feels like that's a good, you know, a, a good, a feel good story. But that just is such an indictment on Team Liquid, on the LCS and on everything else that is going on here in Monty. <laughs> I, look, I want a strong VCS region. Uh, I, I think I think this is going to be it's going to be a hard next year for the West, especially for the LCS. Uh, what's going on right now, guys, behind the scenes is basically every team in the LCS is exploding because of the the esports bubble popping and esports winter. And so what's going to happen is effectively every LCS team is going to say, hey, if you want to stay with us, you need to sign a new contract at a much lower dollar value, or we're just going to release you from your contract to be a free agent. So there's going to be a giant free agent fiesta, but we're not going to see the same, I think, level of high quality imports 
Uh, a lot of teams are going to be going grassroots or trying to find value imports, uh, you know, coming in from other regions. And this is going to be a very, very, very different. I think North America is going to be very different. And if you're going to be getting a bunch of newer players, it may, in fact, take some time for this region to develop competitively again. And I think that the expectation going forward is that Vietnam at internationals is likely to be better than some of the North American teams next year. Um, I think. I think that's just the the reality that we're facing I mean, starting better. now. Like what? Yeah, like sure. they're, they're, I'm saying yeah, like, like that should be, I think that's going to be the new normal. <laughs> I think that's going to be the new normal, man, just because a lot of these teams are, you know, not going to be able to financially compete. Even I think with European teams, that's the timeline that we live in. And we thought G2 was going to do well. Look, I think G2 has performed as I would expect G2 have to have performed in that they are competitive and beating fourth seeds from LCK and LPL. Do I think that that's probably their ceiling? I don't see G2 winning against the third seeds and higher, but I think that's a relatively respectable result. But a lot of people are going to be very disappointed as at what has happened. Mad Lions is clearly like a very underwhelming team. Cloud9 feels rather lifeless. Like it, it doesn't feel like Cloud9 is really capable of competing against even the fourth seeds out of some of these uh, Asian regions. Uh, North America has just been embarrassed by losing to a wild card to be the first team eliminated from the world championship. And they do it in such a, such a, you know, kind of limp dick way. And I think that's, what's so disappointing is I know Dom like brought up the R5 Sejuani earlier, but why are we doing this, man? Like Pioshik has been the guy for you, team liquid this tournament. Like somebody has to carry this team okay. and you know, it, it's very simple, right? <laughs> the enemy team was banning Lee Sin because Pioshik popped the fuck off on Lee Sin. Because of what happened in the series, they left Lee Sin up. Just pick your fucking Lee Sin. Like, just pick. I was literally screaming at the screen. I'm like, okay, they first picked Zaya. What are you trading me for? Rakan, Lee Sin. What are you going on three? Kalista. That's your fucking comp. You're just playing what your players play and what they can perform at. And they don't do it for some reason. You know, they decide that they want to save their their uh, they want to drop jungle, which look, if you want to drop jungle because you you really think that APA is going to get banned out and he just can't play anything else, which is what Pioshik said in an interview. I can almost accept that. But what is the point of not giving Summit counterpick and giving Pioshik counterpick so that he can pick Sejuani on R5? Also, they lost the 2v2 top. They literally just lost the 2v2 yep. top. So they are they are five Sejuani which is supposed to be the game counter. And number one, like, dude, if you're going to R5 jungle, it better be a fucking banger pick. It better be some shit like Karthus in a game where you can completely 1v9, a Lilia versus like a team that he can kite forever, a Kane or like a red Kane into a full melee team. It needs to be something like this. If you're going to R5 jungle, you need to play a champion that is game breaking for the situation. If not, you're fucking over your whole team because you're losing counter picks out for it. So I just hate the overall idea of it. But then they just fucking, like, Pioshik misplayed the 2v2. He he autoed a minion on his permafrost. Like, he literally just misplayed the 2v2, or they could have won the 2v2. So, like, people will obviously point at APA and Yeon because those guys are, like, clearly not as good as the rest of the team. But why are the two imports that are getting paid millions of dollars, why are they losing 2v2 to VCS players? Like, isn't that the bigger issue? They're the ones that are paid to fucking carry, and they're not fucking carrying. But we knew this was going to be, I mean, the, the, the design of Team Liquid this year was terrible. 
Like, this was a terribly GM team from the start. The concept of putting this team together was ridiculous on its face. And that's what everybody said at the start of this year in LCS. It makes no sense that they would install rookies in mid and 80 carry while importing Pioshik, who historically has not been that guy, and Summit, whose flaws were clearly on display during his tenure at Cloud9, and who is... At, like at his best, yeah, he won the MVP. At his worst, his floor was fucking abysmal in those playoffs that he played with Cloud9. And I get that there was a lot of turmoil within the team and he may have just completely checked out, but that doesn't forgive his performance. And this guy has... Well, that's, it, that, I mean, that's something you hold against the player too. Like, it's exactly. not like, oh, like he checked out. Like, oh, it's like fine. Like, like that can just happen. Like that is an indictment. Exactly. And if I if I'm making this team liquid roster... And I think that Summit might actually just get pissed because we have some really kind of rookie players on this team. The odds of Summit completely checking out again are, are too much for me. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we saw his attitude. It's very but, clear. But it's also just he was not playing at the same level. He wasn't dominating lanes. He wasn't stomping people into the fucking floor the way he was in 2022 spring. So he sure. wasn't playing individually the same way. And the whole idea of this team was that look, we're going to have this Korean-speaking lineup. We'll take, like, a hit on maybe, like, some player skill mid and AD so that we have this, like, we have this this complete package where everyone's able to communicate perfectly and, you know, we'll essentially just be a Korean team and we'll have this mindset we'll work really hard. That shit completely all failed, right? Harry got benched. Like, it just didn't work. They had to bring an APA. When you think about, like, the, the interactions between Pioshik and Summit, like, Pioshik is supposed to be one of the best junglers in the world, theoretically, like this is like what he's supposed to be. Obviously he's not, no one, no one thought this besides for like TL people and people that are like, you know, that, that only watch worlds or something last year. Pioshik is supposed to be this guy that enables Summit to just be a beast. That's what the idea of the team is. Summit wasn't winning enough lanes. They didn't even give him counterpick by the end. They're not even going into like all the Summit champions. They're not waiting for like the, oh, can we get like a Kennen pick or a Camille pick that's just going to run the entire game, a NAR pick or whatever. They're blinding Summit's champion. And then they're just losing the 2v2 by getting mechanically outplayed. It's just so disappointing to watch. I mean, there's like almost nothing that you can look at in these games and be like, oh, this was like a well-played game. Also, Pioshik, he had like some good games earlier. I mean, he had a really good game versus T1. I didn't think he had a good series here versus Gam. I thought the Kindred game was good. But if you look at like his first Jarvan game, the way he pathed, the way he traded objectives or like the way he failed to trade objectives, it did not, it, that was not a good game. This is one game he, he messed up the 2v2. So like, I don't think that he just gets a pass because he was the best player on the team overall. Like he still made crucial mistakes. And if he played at the level that he should have, they would have won this series. Yeah, it's depressing. And it, it, look, it doesn't get much better outside of G2. I think the, the upside is that G2 has beaten enough good teams and now has a very favorable draw with NRG where they should be an absolute overwhelming favorite uh, within the, you know, within this match that they, they will escape. And, Perhaps, I mean, there is, there's a, funnily enough, you know, there's a possible world where they get a, a pretty good draw into the quarterfinals as well. Like, it's not outside of the realm of possibility, but G2 looked like by far the best Western team coming in. And there were a lot of question marks about everybody else, and everyone else is just kind of underperformed. We talked about C9's draft issues, but who is supposed to carry on C9? I mean, Fudge, Fudge. Zerker. Yeah, sure, but your, your solo lanes have not been really delivering 
in any sense, and they're taking up huge amounts of resources. Like when your game plan re revolves around Fudge's jacks and then he gets dove because you fucked everything up and T1 read you like a book, where do you go after that? Uh, M&S has been shaky at best. There's just such obvious flaws. Um, you know, maybe some people will point to NRG, but NRG has had honestly a really easy path. Well, they played TL Probably and Mad Lions. The easiest yeah. path that they could possibly get. Yeah, and this is because they're a first seed. Like, if they're yeah. not a first seed here, they could get completely fucked. You know, like just in terms of the first matchup, right? Like, they could get fucked super, super hard if they're not a first seed. So, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things where like you look at how everything is done in this Swiss stage and. Honestly, I think that w that right now we're rolling like pretty good with with the matchups and stuff. I think the Swiss stage could get a lot uglier than this in future years. Yeah, yeah. and even with this win against Mad Lions NRG, uh, Mad Lions can't say no to any Fiesta, and that game could have gone either way. And we're talking about that's the number one. Seed I mean that 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 would that game was just so fucking ugly. <laughs> I I could not handle how terrible that game was. I mean, just watching Palafox on the Silas was like really painful and just some of the decision making that energy makes look i don't expect energy to be a good late game macro team the way they won in na was basically catching throws they sit there passively and wait for the enemy team to throw when they have to be proactive in terms of late game shot calling it's it's like what we saw in this game like palafox is stealing talia ult and while the bad lions are by the way stupidly chasing him around the top side with 15 seconds until like mountain soul spawn he instead of i don't know talia ulting over the baron pit da even down the lane teleporting out instead of distracting them and buying time for his team while they did soul and mad lions you know chase him pointlessly around he literally just talia ults into them which makes it faster for them to get to the dragon soul spawn like it is he literally made the worst possible decision you could make in that situation yep yeah, and, and it ended up working somehow. Yeah, and, and it ended up working somehow because Mad Lions committed five people to Drake, and then and then uh, Energy gets free Baron. Yep. I don't know, man. That game was that game was one of the hardest I, games I, to watch. I, I was doing a VOD review, and I was just joking, like, how many Mad Lions does it take to take a dragon? Like, you know, it's just why do you have five people in your situation? Like, you can't just leave this Baron up. They have relatively good Baron damage at this point in the game. The whole decision-making by both of these teams, like this game was just a fucking clown fiesta and it made me super pissed. <laughs> it should have been a, it should have been a really easy game for NRG with how yes. everything opened. They should have won this game in like 25 minutes. It, it just gives you like no hope for, I mean, look on one, on one hand, you could say because it's NRG and because of like where they were even like three months ago, like they're, they're, performing better than expectations like they're they're actually playing like better than they were like they've improved as a team but when you go onto the world stage like the the matches that they're going to play coming up it it feels completely doomed like they're just not on the level of the teams that they're going to be facing unless they get like a dream draw where they play against g2 and then they play against like Fnatic or something maybe but that's a, that's a possibility you know what i mean yep <laughs> I I, yeah. I think Fnatic. Uh, I, I, let's let's in, I'll inject a little bit of Hopium in here. There we go. All right, because it it was the West performance at Worlds, not the West yeah. failures at Worlds, Monty. Yeah. So I will inject a small amount of Hopium in that I think Fnatic. They obviously could have beaten BLG, and I think that was a that was an encouraging game, and I don't think that the mistakes that they made were 
entirely outrageous. Like I felt like their mistakes were a lot smaller and that if they hadn't opted into some fights and maybe they had done the Drake that they needed a little bit faster, potentially, like perhaps they could have come out with a win there. I think it's very difficult because BLG is obviously really skilled at team fighting, but Fnatic had a chance to win that game. And I think their early game was played really well. Any more so, hope you want to inject, Tom? <laughs> uh, I mean, when I look at that game, I just think about just the fact that they're playing champions that BLG is just not expecting. That's like the main thing that I'm looking at is like, oh, they played Ivor and Poppy like top jungle. <laughs> they did seem and... confused by it. <laughs> they they yeah, seem like, very confused seems... by Daisy. I mean, I just love when they were just all walking around the choke point next to Harold and getting three band knocked up by Daisy. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a game. It's a weird game, right? Because BLG has a lot of games that they don't look great in. But I remember at around like 17 minutes into this game or like whatever third drink was, maybe it was like 21 or something. The gold, the gold was completely even. And you just look at BLG. And I remember saying to Yamato, doesn't it just feel like Fnatic can never win? <laughs> even though the gold is directly, like directly even. Because Bin is like CSing really well on Jax. You know what he's going to become later on in the game. Elk is getting his items. He's online. Yagawa is stable. Like when they're just in these situations, it feels like BLG just ends up outplaying people around Drakes. And they're just so good at like team fighting because they've played so many team fights and they played so many games this year. I saw a crazy, uh, I mean, I have a crazy stat for you guys. So I watched uh, like BLG play and I'm like, damn, like they played a lot of fucking games, haven't they? So I went and I looked at how many games they've actually played just this year because they played like double they limb. MSI, they were in MSI. Yeah. They played in, in LPL. So here's something. BLG has played 145 games, 145 <laughs> of official shit. games so far this year. And they still have like, you know, the whole rest of the tournament to go. Oscar it's and has played insane. like 20. Wait, who has? <laughs> I, I would say Oscar and yeah. How many games has he played? He, he hasn't played very many. Yeah. I mean, Oscar, let's see. Oscar has played 31. Is yeah, what it says. That's fair. I look, I, I think that Fnatic, the, the crucial Drake fight, the problem was, is that they actually did a very good job of ejecting the Sejuani and securing the Drake. They just overforced their advantage afterwards. Like there's no reason for them to be fighting around these objectives when they could take mid turret and get uh, topside jungle control against BLG and then play around the Baron. Like it, Fnatic was just over eager in some of these situations. I think this was winnable. Uh, do I think it's hard? Of course. Like the in the same way that the TL game was technically winnable for TL, yet we know that T1 is has a lot stronger individual players and fundamentals. Uh, but this game felt closer, and at least I had some hope because I think Fnatic did have a draft that worked for them in the early game and did create some kind of meaningful advantages around the map and did use their champions well to create a minor lead, right? It's just hard, I think, for them to face Billy Billy and team fights on even footing. And they opted into a lot of those engagements that were, I think, non-ideal when they should have just focused more on objective control yeah. transferring into vision. And they didn't do also, that. They, they fought instead. Also, they just fucked around and found out. Everyone in LPL knows you don't give bin jacks. It doesn't matter like what, what happened. <laughs> it doesn't fair. matter. You can have Dude, the perfect draft. 
I mean, you could you could literally just draft whatever into the guy. You could have counter pick top. You can have a jungle that that makes it hard for him. You could have just like a ton of peel on your team, Lulu, whatever. You just can't give this guy Jax. He's just too good at the fucking champion. Like you, you just can't. It doesn't matter who you are. Just don't give him Jax for the rest of the tournament. You just ban it one, two, three. You have to accept it. I like that they like tried something. At least they made it a hard Jax game. But it's just, yeah. I mean, Poppy and then also Ivern. It's just very hard for most Jaxes to play. But he's just not a normal Jax. He's there's something different about his Jax. Like he's just the best abnormal Jax player. (laughs) He's an abnormal Jax player. Like (laughs) just legitimately, he's just the best Jax. Like probably in the history of the game. We're we're on unique champion picks. Uh, We've had a couple of one-time picks only. What what are what is your favorite unique champion pick whether it was a win or not so far uh uh in in the tournament for both of you I'm trying to think about unique picks that we've seen i i enjoyed the bard from Caria in that game i yeah. think it was used really effectively and he you know engaged extremely well on it and had some really good bard ults a good bard player is always fun to watch so i think that's probably my most favorite unique pick right now i'd have what, to what look are we, what are we calling as unique like what is the de- definition one of unique? Off? like it was, like it was <laughs> either either it's time. been picked once or something that surprised okay you. so, so what what is what are the i i need to i don't i have no idea like off the top Here, of my I'll, head I'll, the list I'll look of zach volleybear varus thresh set nyla lucian cassiopeia camille vex knight pulled out vex that was pretty cool tom like kench senna lux lulu kazix bard and ash yeah, I like I like the the vex. I thought it was a really good vex angle, and yeah, I mean, I think that that's what, just what makes JDG so scary. Is you end up in these situations where they're one one, and then you just pull out you know a bunch of random champions, and they just fuck you over. So like, it's yeah, I don't know. That team is is pretty fucking scary. Uh, for me, and I guess it was because it was earlier on. I- because pulling out the Zach was fun. I didn't expect to see Zach at this world's. <laughs> you, you, you make sense into a Maokai, right? Uh, Maokai ults, then you can pop your ult and you get out of the stun and everyone just lines up behind you. But uh, that game went a little too long to have it, I guess, still be impactful. Uh, not quite it, but all right, cool. That's everything on fire. Everything's on fire here in the West, except for G2. <laughs> Even if energy win, it's that's that's worse for the West probably. <laughs> uh, but you know, hoping my boy is the best as uh, you know they've got their two wins. They they just beat the team that's in front of them. Uh, next up, it's time for the sad news. It's devoured, and we're figuring out which teams are getting gonna get eaten up by the competition and eliminated. Let's get to it. To this week's devoured. And a reminder, this week's Devoured is brought to you by Trolley. And the three of us here can't get enough of their soft and gummy texture and absolutely love their flavor combinations, especially Monty, because Monty knows <laughs> that Trolley is available all over the world. <laughs> I keep just finding it. you need help. Yeah, it's, you it's, keep finding it. I'm like, I'm seeking it out now, actively looking around <laughs> for it. It was the octopus. Man, I, I, what I've been eating now is just the fucking peach rings, man. These things are delicious. The peach rings here are smaller than the ones in the States. Like the in the States, they have like the big circles. And these are just these are just these tiny, tiny little ones. I think I prefer the small ones uh, personally. What the heck? Yeah, I know, right? You've never seen a peach ring this small before. <laughs> I I have not. America. I like them big. Um, all right, let's get to it. Um, which teams are going to be out next? 
we've got the elimination matches there that we talked about earlier. Cloud9 and Fnatic are to do battle next. After that, uh, what do we got? Weibo with an overwhelmingly favored matchup against Mad Lions. And then the big one. <laughs> D-plus against Gam Esports looking to have the second big, uh, the biggest upset in the history of Worlds um, after already making the biggest upset that they've made in their region. Um, well, who, we're all who are in, the next ones? Yeah, we're all into best of threes now. Um, I mean, Cloud9 has had kind of a rough run hitting LNG and T1, but they looked so uninspired in those games that I, I look, I think Fnatic probably has the edge overall in that series just based on what we've seen so far. So I think the next teams to be eliminated are, I mean, it's definitely going to be Mad Lions. It's definitely going to be Mad Lions. Uh, and I think it'll probably also be Cloud9. I just don't think Berserker's enough to carry this team to victory. This, as long as you're banning some of the really snowball-y picks, like if he doesn't get his hands on like Zai or Callista, I think you're. This is a much more even meta at Worlds than we've seen for other players to be able to carry the game, especially out of top. Um, you know, it's a very good top carry meta. It feels like, and I, you know, I just don't see the solo laners of C9 kind of picking up the slack if Berserker doesn't get. 1v9 power picks. You know what I mean? Yep. I feel the same way. I think that Fnatic will will win. I think Weibo will win and Dalmon will win. I just don't think that like there's there's even not much to discuss because like Weibo versus Mad, I think it's such like it's such a Weibo-sided matchup that I I feel like you just ban Belveth against Mad Lions, you, you collect your free win. And then Gam versus versus Dalmon, I mean, yeah, there's nothing to even discuss there. Gam is is not a good team. That's why the TL loss is so embarrassing. C9 versus Fnatic. It just feels like C9 is ready to disappoint us once again. Like it feels like they're just like, whenever you try to believe in C9 internationally, they always play a little bit worse than you expect. And I think they'll do it again here. Um, yeah, I just think that when you look at Fnatic, like how they play as a team, I just think that they'll be better um, topside. And I think that they'll have some type of drafts that are going to just be annoying for cloud nine to deal with. I feel like cloud nine doesn't deal well with things like Ivern um, or just like Razor's like ability to just like perma gank and, and really fuck up a game. seems like this game will be up to like Razor versus blabber. Yeah. I, and that and that's depressing. Go? I, I, I think it's, yeah. And I think it's depressing because at that point you're looking at both the second and third seeds from LCS being eliminated amongst the first four teams, right? That's that's a pretty big indictment of NA. Yep. And it's not even like they got like super hard schedules or something. Like C9 got like mad into Fnatic. I mean, they should be able to win, but I just don't believe in the team. There's something off about this team. Yeah, it, it does feel a little different. And, you know, one way that you're always able to eke out a little bit of the advantage is draft and that that was on uh, under a microscope in the last game. Um, you know, you've got one the, uh, Dom's. Is it your goat jungler of North America? Goat jungler of North America here, who does the yeah. least amount of damage in a world's game, not set up for success. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, even care about like lowest amount of damage because the game just ends. Like the game is just over to me at like four minutes into the game. Like, I'm watching the game. I just know the game is over at four minutes. So it doesn't even matter like what you do at that point. Like you just can't really play the game anymore. There's too many problems to to deal with. It's like very easy for the enemy team to play out. So it's it's mainly just that like I don't think that the team 
has like anything inspiring about them. They they, they had the Talia pick for Blabber. He played it well. That's going to be banned every single game. Uh, it will probably be banned all three games by Fnatic because, I mean, it obviously worked against Cloud9 when they banned it, number one. But then also Razor played Talia himself and he had a really bad game. So I think they, they just don't want to even address it at this point. So, yeah, I just think it'll be Talia ban and a swift Cloud9 loss. Let's flip this idea out here because I need a little copium. If energy win. Let's say NRG win, and then it's G2 left on there. Because I'm pretty sure if G2 win, it feels very hard to pick NRG as a favorite against any of the other Asian teams that will probably qualify through, unless NRG ends up taking the winner of Cloud9 and Fnatic. That would be pretty ideal for one of them to get in. But let's say NRG upset G2. Who do you favor G2 over, given you know their current form? uh of the teams that they could possibly end up facing at two uh, at the two and two uh, uh jump i, I think mean, the only whoever wins cloud nine or fanatic <laughs> no i i yeah i think that's true but i also think that you know g2 is perfectly capable of when i mean they're they're going to be playing two teams they've already beaten and yeah the let's not say the weibo game was incredibly convincing from g2 because that was kind of a fiesta in the end um but I think out of the teams, you know, they could they could hit D plus again. They could hit Weibo again. Right. And these are teams that they can beat. I think the danger is, do you hit the loser of T1 versus BLG? If the loser is T1, G2 might be able to beat T1. I do not think they could beat the 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 KT versus LNG loser. I think that's probably the end. But out of all of the options, it feels still pretty good. Should G2 lose to NRG that they make it out? Okay. That was that was the only other one because I feel like you go down the path of all right, how's energy going to do? But uh, you know they they're going to need an inspired performance against whoever. But G two is probably their best bet. Um, you know what a uh, fanatic cloud nine. Do you pick the winner against any of the Asian teams? No, not really. Um, yeah, I guess the other team is let's let's look at let's look at Deft and D plus. Is there a world, because they're going to get past Gam, that they sneak back on in? Is there any other than a Western team where we would pick D+, are they the worst Asian team left? I really hate this team. (laughs) 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 I really hate this team, Digon. In spite of what people will think, because they kind of did win through topside, that is very, very rare for D plus to do. Like you got to see the pop off Canyon Lee Sin game. This was this was the D plus greatest hits, but they don't do this against good teams. What they do is kind of gets ahead and then eventually they just run around in circles in the mid game and they grief eventually. Right. And Deft is has been playing extremely well this year, but he is not enough to carry this roster overall. And this should not be a team that people have a lot of faith in because their late game shot calling is just non-existent and they will not be Kana will not carry versus good top laners. That's just how, how it, that's just how it's worked all year in the LCK. But he beat Adam. (laughs) (laughs) I did it. I did enjoy uh, the Volibear rumble uh, game. That was uh, surprising. I look, I'm not going to say I know how that matchup goes, but given the trade that Adam tried to do and kind of reacted very quickly to and and won, 
I, I don't really see how the Volibear is supposed to win that matchup, considering I think he got one of the most ideal situations you could have in the, the duel that he kind of ambushed him in the, in the brush and topside. Well, he canceled an auto number one, which was really bad. Sure. Um, but also he like doesn't have Ignite in the matchup. He has TP, um, which is also something that could like skew the matchup. So, I mean, I think Volibear has the ability to win that fight if he plays it slightly better. Um, but yeah, I also just think you ban Rumble versus anyone that plays it. Like, I think that if you have Adam on your team, the problem is that if the enemy top laner is a complete top laner, let's say that he can play Rumble, Renekton, Kennen, Nar. If he can play all four of those, you're fucked. Because Rumble, Renekton will pretty much what, what, what the enemy team will do is they're going to ban Darius, which means that none of his champions are good into Renekton anymore. So Renekton is going to be a problem. Either Adam's going to have to pick it which is a losing proposition, as we saw multiple times throughout this tournament, or he's going to have to play a matchup that's bad into it. Rumble counters his entire champion pool. It just beats everything that, thing that he plays. I mean, Rumble has very few counters um, already, but like the only things you can play into it that are like winning or could potentially win are ranged matchups, which Adam can't play at all. Um, so you have that problem. And then if he has to blind his top laner, you can always get Kennen, you can always get Nar, which are also champions that just beat his, uh, you know, Garen, um, Olaf, all these types of champions as well set. So the problem with Adam is that like you have to hope that the enemy top laner is just limited in his champion pool and he's not somebody who is willing to play like the whole arsenal of abusive top laners because all those champions just counter bru bruisers, the ones that I I'll just mentioned. I also just find it interesting because BDS spent a lot of world so far just banning Rumble and Kennen every game and they decided not to opt into that strategy because they are scared of Def's AD carries and the Jarvan, right? And the thing about Kana is that Kana was actually in spring of this year. He was undefeated at 100% win rate on the Renekton. So I will say for to Kana's credit, even though his summer stats were not quite as good, this is a champion that has routinely been targeted against him this year. And as much as I denigrate Kana's ability to carry, he was carrying some of these games on the Renekton to his credit. But um, yeah, it's, you know, it, I, I don't think this would like BDS is obviously given their play and performance, not really going to go very far at this event. And they had the, horrible luck of hitting a D plus team that is substantially better and, you know, kind of got into the state that they're in, in the elimination match very quickly because of the way the Swiss draw uh, ended up shaking out for them. Uh, but this is not a, is, their win over BDS is not indicative of D plus actually being, I think a top tier world-class team because they are not. Hmm. Uh, I, I want to just say here for BDS, because that's actually a team we didn't touch on. It, it was fun while we had the uh, God's meme, you know. And yeah, just it was, they it were great that was like a great meme. Yeah, that is a great, that's probably one of the best branding you could have as a play-in team. <laughs> and then you run into it and you get uh, Vorgs, Vorgs, Vorg. <laughs> As Volibear, Olaf, Renekton, and Garen Borg. I don't know. If you can, if you can figure out a better acronym for me, please do in the comments below. Also, while you're there, make sure to like and subscribe on our channel. <laughs> I, I also think like Shayo and Nuke are just not those guys at the international level. I, well, they also just didn't play what they actually play, which I don't understand. Like they they spent the whole year. They were the team. BDS was the team 
that was playing things like Maokai Syndra, Maokai Cassio, like Sejuani with these types of picks. Like they never actually played dominant mid jungle 2v2, kill the guy in lane, roam together, take over the map. That's never what they did. They put Nuck on control mages, they had Sheo play whatever champions were just strong in the meta and they just existed. If they played around mid, it was to like secure vision around mid and let, you know, Nuke do his thing. So my biggest issue with, with how they approached the Dom series is the fact that they played LeBlanc Lee Sin. Like, they're never going to win versus Canyon Showmaker on LeBlanc Lee Sin. They even got the early kill, and what did they do with it? They did nothing with it the entire game. Um, and when you think about BDS, this is something that I tweeted out. BDS was a team that literally could not play Static Shiv LeBlanc when it was disgustingly OP the entire year. When it was, when it was disgustingly OP, they had to blue side ban it over and over again. They just couldn't play this champion. So if you couldn't play that version of LeBlanc that's super brain dead and like really broken, what makes you think you could play LeBlanc Lee Sin against Canyon Showmaker? It makes no fucking sense to me. Yep. No, no. Again, uh, you know, people might point to the fact that all these guys are 22 except Crowny. So you got time to grow together. But uh, an experience for BDS and definitely... Um, I, I think you'd rather be them than Golden Guardians. So, uh, yeah. Yep. BDS out. That's the team that's already been eliminated. We highlighted the teams that we think are going to get eliminated next. And finally, for this week's episode, we're going to the Big Brain Club because it's time for the cream of the crop. The things that rose to the top. That's right. We're talking about the best teams in Worlds and what we learned about them. Uh, yes. We're speaking about JDG, Gen G, and others. So let's get on to it. Our Galaxy Brain Club discussion. Uh, the top teams. All right. Let's hear it. Come on, Dom. JDG, give it to me. 369. So fucking fine. Ruler, you know, we don't worry about that match where he died a couple times early, was getting outpointed early on, but doing his job, Knight. Come on, fill me in, fill me in, fill me in. I mean, JDG has just been like this all year round. The thing that I like the most about JDG is whenever somebody has a bad series or somebody has a bad day, everyone just like picks up the slack and just enables them to still be incorporated into the team. And they'll just like out team fight you no matter what. Like they all just have each other's back. Um, and it even shows through outside of just the fact that like, you know, in the game, Ruler gets solo killed by Gala. Then instantly, when the wave bounces back, they're like three-man diving Gala, making the game unplayable for him. Mm -hmm. it, it's not even just that. It's like in the team fights, think about how they actually play. 369 TPs on Aatrox into five people, and missing is instantly there to like Rakan. Like, that's the real hero of that situation is that Rakan follows him up and buys time for him to proc his Therax, Gore Drink, or whatever, and still be able to uh like survive the fight. So I mean, this is just what I mean. I just think JDG is by far the best team in the world. Um, doesn't mean they they will guaranteed win, but they are definitely the favorite. And I just think that they're such a scary team because if they all play well, it feels like you're completely fucked. And if they they aren't having the best day, they're so good at adapting throughout series and just like covering their mistakes and and being able to be clutch when it matters. They've they've been the most clutch team all year. I mean, they've had you know. They've had their backs against the wall multiple times. You know, versus T1, they were down 2-1 in MSI. Uh, versus LNG, they were down 2-1 in finals of summer. And it feels like they just always bounce back. They always figure out an angle. 
whether it's like drafting champions that the that the players are com comfortable on that are not necessarily in the meta or just like adapting um their their draft strategy to really put the eggs into the basket of the people that are actually performing on the day it just feels like they're such like a a hard team to beat because they can win through any lane they can play almost every champion and then they also just have this like this this actual level of teamwork that we haven't seen before when it comes to having each other's backs and just enabling each other to all carry the games yeah and i think that what was interesting about the lng series was that it wasn't ruler's most dazzling performance right he he was not the biggest factor even as arguably the best player in the world coming into this tournament and even not that he played super badly but he was not as impactful as we're used to seeing ruler in some of these matches but the decision making is really surprising to me. I think you look at you think you I think you look at JDG and you, when you're talking about that Aatrox teleport with the Sterex, you know, you're uh, that was a pretty ideal on paper scenario for LNG. They're running what is effectively a pick composition, right? They want to get a lot of single target CC down, but because 369 perfectly backed bought the Sterex uh, on his recall, it it meant that he could actually force the engage and live through it. I think that's what was so surprising about that was that he apparently knew, I'm going to say he knew, I hope he knew, uh, and it wasn't just kind of coincidental that he was going to be able to live through this. And he absorbed every single importance like CC ult cooldown uh, during that engage and manages to get out of that situation Thanks to the Sterex shield, thanks to the Gore Drinker proc on like four or five people. And this is a scenario that makes JDG unique. It was really surprising because what seemed to be a mistake in and playing into LNG's win condition turned out to be a, a brilliant reversal. And that is scary. That is scary because I saw that coming in and I thought that LNG was just going to be able to burst him and, and snowball out on that Drake fight. And that is not what happened at all. So them knowing their limits and trusting each other on those kind of plays, I think is what makes JDG so terrifying. And LNG keeps trying different angles. I mean, we've seen, I think one of the pleasures is seeing this matchup so many times, but they keep trying things. You know, they want to split push. They want to play the Fiora uh, like they did in the first best of five. Now they're playing the Camille. They are trying to find ways that are not 5v5 fighting JDG because they are clearly not confident that they are going to win with that style. So instead, it's about finding people out of position and pick compositions. But I think the issue with LNG is inevitably they get drawn back into those 5v5s because JDG is good at forcing them and good at baiting them. Uh, I mean, it's just, and it's just also how the game works. Like you're just going to yep. be in 5v5s because like Drake is so fucking important. You're going to be in a soul fight and you're going to have to 5v5 at some point during the game. And when that actually happens, it feels like JDG is just going to beat you. Yeah, I think it's really, really difficult. Um, you you basically have to play it, it, to avoid the situation. You have to play us like a perfect split push pressure game or a perfect vision game where you can get the picks that you need. But that is much, much harder to do than just playing 5v5 team fights. <laughs> it's much harder. Uh, so your level of execution has to be perfect. And even if you have advantages, we've seen LNG throw games with pretty significant leads because their comps are not suited and JDG is just too fucking good at team fighting. It's been a very close matchup, but as Tom says, when push comes to shove, when they're in the clutch, that's when we see JDG turn it on. And 
it's been so consistent in that manner that it is difficult to believe that they are still not a, an absolute massive favorite for Worlds. Uh, who's been their best player on their team, Dom? KDG? Yeah, 369. I mean, it, like, are you, are you talking about, like, during this Worlds only, like, over the course of this the whole Worlds, year? This Worlds. Like, so if we're going to give out Worlds MVP, uh, who, who are we looking at? The five games they've played? I, I mean, I would say 369. <laughs> I think 369 is like so fucking good. Like the thing about 369 is he team fights so well that even like, for example, the game versus Adam, where Kanavi actually griefs him on the Herald fight, he's still complete. Yeah. He's always fine in the game. 369 is never like completely out of a game where he's never so behind that he's going to be useless. And he just team fights better than any other top player that we've seen. Like he just understands team fighting on another level of like spacing, understanding when his carries can hit how to like absorb zones, like how much damage he should take at different points. It's very hard to play on the exact edge that 369 plays on where he's, you know, playing a tank and he's frontlining to the point where like, you know, he, he's absorbing the max damage then he's out of the fight, getting his cooldowns back, coming back in. Like it's so hard to play team fights like that. And I don't know, he just does it so well. So I, I'd say this world has been 369. I thought the Aatrox game was really good. Um, like the Orin game versus, versus Adam when he's fucked. He's just significantly more useful than Adam throughout the game as well. So I, I like also how he's drawing Orn bands in this meta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have to like, ban Orn against pressure. Yeah, he's taking pressure off the draft as well, uh, which I think is impressive. Yeah, um, people don't want to play against his Renekton. He's really good at Renekton. He's really good at Orn. He can play Cassante. He can play he can play Aatrox. He has probably other things in the tank that we haven't seen yet. Like he's just such an insane player. Like this guy is is yeah. Now everyone realizes how good he really is. But I think the construction of this team has been so ideal. When you think about how the team was was made, you have these three players: three six nine, Kanavi, and Missing, who were absurdly good at at setting up uh, fights. They're really good at, at understanding angles, how to engage, how many people need to be engaging from different points. Like the timing of it is also really crisp. And then you pair that with the best cleanup eighty carry of all time. And one of the best mid laners just in the in the world that like a carry mid laner as well. I think the team, the roster construction here is crazy. And I mean, that's why they they look like a real super team. Yep. So uh, still, let's, still the favorite, still the favorite, I would say. Let, let's stay in this series because there's another player in this series that you've called out. Probably what I think it was best young player or something in Zika. How do you feel like his performance has been so far, Dom? Uh, I think he's been solid. I mean, I think that's that his Jax games, he was probably like a little further behind than he should be. But I mean, I, I think that, that that this guy is, is really good on my world's top 25. I think I had him like seventh best in the world, which surprised people like they didn't realize that I valued him this highly. But I just think that his ability to be able to play carries and tanks is, is really interesting. Um, and that was a transformation that took place very late in in the year as well. Um which I yep. think a lot of people did not expect him to kind of take that next mm -hmm. step into being a focal point on this team. And I don't think that LNG's issues are, you know, it's not, Zika's not why they're losing. Like LNG just can't beat JDG at their own game. And their shot calling is also just not quite good enough to succeed uh, in the pick and split push comps that they're, that they've selected. It's, it's good enough to kind of like push JDG to the brink, but not good enough to, uh, to power through, right? To power through and actually take the win. Um, just to throw you off because this is the only way I can get you. It's time for Degon's fact of the week, brought to you by no one. Head coach 
of JDG. And this is for both of you, Monty. So this one, yep. yeah, you've got this one. Head coach of JDG, Coach Hum. Hum. Yep. Hum. Um, uh, coach Hum, how many LPL and OGNHS LCK championships did he win? Because he, well, he had one. Won. He had one in as the top laner for MVP Ozone. Correct. Yep. I do not know how many LPL, LPL champions he has. Championships has he won? Uh, it's quite a few. Uh, four. <laughs> Or I believe oh God, that is so fucking. I can't believe you get this right every fucking time. It's four, four <laughs> yeah. championships as a coach. First one coming with uh. Well, he got two this year, so it was. And then it he was, got yeah. one last year, and then he got one. Yeah, in twenty twenty, I believe. There it is. So, so five total. There you go. Oh, five, five, five. One, two, yeah, three, four, yeah. Goodness gracious, I can't fucking get you guys. Even when I slide this fucking topic in there, you guys at home, somewhat. People have come up to me and been like, you prep them on the on the question beforehand, right? So that they can think about it. I'm like, no, I literally trick them and they still get it right. It's fucking nuts. So uh, there you have it. Those are your experts. One, two, three, uh, four, five. Actually, no, I lied. It's five. It's five championships for LPL. I thought it was four. Oh. It was five. Oh, really? Yeah. What was the other one? So it's uh, summer playoffs this year, uh, spring playoffs this year, summer playoffs yeah. last year against Top uh, Esports, yeah. spring in 2020 against yeah. uh, uh, Top Esports, and then he was the coach for uh, World Elite in 2017, spring playoffs oh. against RNG. Never yeah. mind, I was right. Cool. Damn. <laughs> so it's, yeah. six, it's six including his winning. Six in including Korea, his so. playing, yes. Yeah, six including his playing. He also won, and I didn't want to count this one, uh, Monty, but he won uh, NLB in 2012. No, that wasn't a real title. That was like an <laughs> up and down tournament. Get out, get out, dude. NLBs, yeah. I, I enjoyed the NLB casts. Those those are the ones I used to watch on YouTube. He, he, way, way also, Om, annoy, uh, Om winning uh, LCK was actually the most annoying win because it was a massive upset by MVP Ozone, and he just, like, he was terrible, honestly. And so we just expected <laughs> Flame to just completely dominate him in the finals, and then he just fucking cheesed with Zach the entire series and uh, made me very sad. So definitely one of the lamest Korean finals that I cast, even though it was a huge upset. So Guy just rode Zach to a title. It was very sad. Then he went to China. <laughs> yep, and coached over there. All right. Uh, let's move on to some other top teams here that we've seen. Uh, give me, give me a couple of teams that have caught your eye that should be in and still be in contention um, uh, for, uh, I, I guess, the world titles. It's probably that LNG KT matchup. So you look at KT here, Monty, lead the way. How do you feel like they've done so far? Not as well as some of us would have hoped. <laughs> um, they looked better. Versus Weibo, but even then they still had some throw moments of of being overly ambitious after I think a pretty compelling and strong early game. Like aiming definitely pulled some of those fights out of the fire when lights looked like he was getting quite scary and the the kind of late game powerhouses were coming online for Weibo. Uh, KT also showed their creativity. I mean, you look at the way that they're using clones and the really fun gank that BDD had in the bot lane. Uh, not surprising, of course, that Cuz would go back over to the Viego. Cuz got kind of an early pass, too. He got some really hard farming done in the early game, which was great for him on Viego. 
But KT, this is, a, you know, they run pick compositions well. This is kind of what they do. It has been their specialty since, you know, more or less kind of halfway through the spring split of this year. And what, they play around vision and they try and find somebody, catch somebody out before you fight them at an objective. That is their main PowerPoint. Um, they are not, I don't think, the best team at the, the 5v5 team fights. So KT... They really struggled, I think, in the early parts of this. And what was looking like an extremely clean game due to an overextension in the top side against Weibo got a little bit ropey and kind of scary for them there. Um, I was encouraged to see BDD have a better game uh, in the last one, but they haven't been up to the form, clearly, that they were in during the regular season in summer. Uh, and that that obviously needs to needs to change if they're going to make a deep run here. I do think they'll make quarters. Quarters and then out, Dom? I think it depends on draft or on uh, the, draw. the draw. Yeah. Like, I think that the draw really, really just changes everything. People like keep on asking me, like, who do you think is going to make top eight? And I feel like it's completely irrelevant this year because like whoever you think are the eight best teams in the world might just not make top eight based off draw. You can never know um, how this tournament is going to play out. I think that's the weird thing about Swiss is before when you would get these types of questions you'd be like it would be like oh which teams do you think are going to be top two in each group and you know like wh who's playing what matches without knowing who's going to play what matches like yeah i mean you could just have two western teams in in quarterfinals um without having to face asian teams in elimination games so um i think kt i think kt could possibly beat t1 even though they keep on losing they lost a t1 uh domestically i don't i mean they should definitely be t1 they should definitely be t1 but I mean, we that's always a very that. possible draw right like that's a very possible draw um yeah i don't know like kt i think they played a really good game against Weibo. that was probably one of the best games that uh, i've seen them play i just don't really believe in in like what they have to do in order to win games like essentially it feels to me like if Cuz doesn't play Viego, he's like half the player that he normally is. And I don't think Viego is like that great of a champion as, as well. So I just don't really think that they'll they'll make a deep run. I mean, when I think about the top four teams at this tournament, I think right now it's like for me, it's BLG, LNG, Gen G, JDG. Yep. I, I think that's fair based on based on what we've seen so far. But I I think KT if if they can reach where they did in the regular season of summer and we know what their peak is capable of, I think that they are in contention for top four, but I haven't seen that form yet at this tournament. Uh, their games, I think, have not been quite clean enough, uh, even with some early game domination. I, look, I think because his Sejuani and Maokai games have also been fine. Uh, that's what his duty was for a lot of a lot of KT uh, over the course of the summer split. So he can, especially as Sejuani um, can be good. He, he also, you know, if Wukong is, is kind of slowly creeping back into the meta, then perhaps that'll be an opportunity for him as well. Guys, I've been racking my brain on this a little bit now. I'm sorry, because it's, it's really confusing in terms of seeding again. Format seating. We have two teams already qualified. Yep. We have... They'll be on opposite sides of the bracket. Correct. We have three teams qualifying in next. Right? Yes. How do we decide out of the three teams that are here, there, there should be two slots for top four. How, 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 right? Right? <laughs> right? Yep. And then how are they deciding who's the 
bottom two because there's three teams that are going to be three and two, right? I'm looking at the okay. rule book right now and I'm trying to figure out what the draw. I'm pretty sure it's just is. random. Oh, it's literally random. So it's top two and then it says, oh, the bottom two teams automatically get drawn to the bottom two, but there's three teams. Am I, am I crazy? I'm trying to figure yeah, this out. Yeah, I mean, it's hybrid. Yeah, I think it's just random. That's so ass. I guess fourth, out of those three teams. Would play each other. So fourth and fifth play each other. And third, so like, I guess the way they view it is they don't think it's that big of a distinction. The distinction is between six, seven, and eight because seven and eight have to play against JDG right. and, right. and Genji. So, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just random. Okay. All right. I've been trying to, I, I actually like, I'm looking at the PDF of the rule book right now and I cannot, I can't find it. I can't figure it out. Uh, tiebreaker. It doesn't look like any tiebreaker stuff. Okay. Sorry. That was confusing. Um, all right. Well, that was KT because I was trying to figure out if KT win, G2 win, and uh, the, you know, BLG win, the likely out, I guess LNG would be more likely. If those three teams win. How do you know who's on what side? Doesn't make any sense to me. So, okay. Finally, uh, the, uh, I guess, are there any more teams so there? It says that here, be, teams, yeah. teams that finish the Swiss stage with a 3-0 match record will be randomly paired against teams that finish Swiss stage with a 3-2 match record. So it'll be one of, basically, they're randomly yeah. drawing from 6-7-8. Yeah. yeah, so two teams who who escape yeah, on the it. final day will will get unlucky versus okay. JDG and Genji. And then following this draw, the remaining four teams will be randomly picked. So the 3-1 okay. and 3-2 teams. So the one remaining 3-2 team will then be randomly drawn against the 3-1 teams. Got there it, got it, got it, yeah. got it. So someone gets, two teams get super unlucky, one team gets super lucky, and then the Draw three teams, yeah, 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 got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay, that's a lot of chaos. That's too much chaos. That's why I was like, this isn't determined beforehand. No, it's not. It's done by the draw of the bottom teams first. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, and finally, this is a team who's known nothing but struggle. Bridesmaid, BLG. Uh, BLG is a squad here that I don't think we touched on enough here, Dom. Uh, how do we feel about their performance so far and their form going into, uh, I guess, a, a very familiar matchup in T1? Um, I mean, I don't think their form has been like super insane. They look definitely worse than they looked when they were like peaking in in summer when they were just winning like pretty much every game. Um, but that being said, I think that they're good enough that they'll still end up beating most teams. Like, I don't think they need to be in peak BLG form in order to beat T1 because T1 is also looking worse than they were looking at, you know, their peak as well. I mean, even this tournament, I would say BLG looks better than T1. Yep. Um. And I just think that BLG will just get by 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 team fighting and just having enough, you know, like they have enough of an identity that they just know how to play with each other. Like Elk is always strong. Everyone knows how to play with Ben on this team. On is going to play play uh, playmakers, and Yagao is just going to essentially be a facilitator. Even if he plays a carry, he's going to play as a facilitator on the team. He'll drop farm to be in the right places in in team fights. He'll be somebody who is looking to like. Uh, you know, control chokes and just do all the the like dirty work for the team, um, essentially. So I just feel like they're very comfortable playing with each other, and that's probably the best part about them. They can't beat JDG, but I think anyone else they they could beat. I mean, I, like BLG is the team that could potentially make second in this tournament. 
I think you always, and the other thing too, is that they have a degree of, of depth to them because you always have to at least have in the back of your mind that the, the Shun like carry games could be coming through as well. So there's an, I think an additional dimension to their play that makes it a little bit harder to prep for them. But in this meta and at this tournament, unless you have a really good plan for how you are going to approach this team because i think like jdg approaching them in a way where you are confident that you are going to consistently win 5v5s is the wrong way to go about things and we already saw them beat kt who is arguably the best pick comp team in korea now do i think kt played pretty badly by their own standards in that game sure but it is you need somebody who really i think controls vision effectively and who has a strong early game presence to to start some sort of snowball because you trying to go even and go into these team fights the margin for error as we saw in the fanatic game is just really low it's really low um you need advantages heading into the 5v5s or you need to not overcommit or not you know not opt into those team fights and that's what we saw when when BLG beat T1 and Gen G at, at MSI it's because i think both of those teams arrogantly thought that they could opt into BLG's game plan and win and that was really just really not true um so I wouldn't go in expecting that again. And I do think that they are a pretty substantially better team than T1 at the moment. All right, there you have it. Those are the top teams that are left on in the tournament so far that I guess we uh, expect to still make it on in uh, and, and have an impact and have a claim to the world championship. We still have a couple rounds to go. And again, it is hard to predict the future given the fact that we've got the i guess our our pseudo protagonist in mr referee pulling the uh, <laughs> pulling i do love the, that yeah, guy draws out it's great dude <laughs> it's great that we all have uh different uh uh i guess heroes cult heroes that come up this year's <laughs> is uh mr referee so i just love his stone face and the the i, I also like how he doesn't look at it first himself and then turn it around you know he he opens it to the side so <laughs> No, like, reaction from him whatsoever. He's taking his job extremely... It, it's a job that doesn't need to be taken seriously that is being taken seriously, which is where the comedy comes from it, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. Well, lastly, just, just want to shout out a friend of the chat giving a, a, a good nerdy comment here. We've been talking about the format and format stinks. You know, I was asking about the tiebreakers. He goes, MLA is all I know. That's a pretty good format joke for writers, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's good. I like uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> As an English Thank major, you, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, y'all, that's the episode. We have uh, covered as much as we could of this Swiss stage. It's been chaotic. It hasn't been perfect, but it's the beautiful mess that Riot wants worlds to be. Otherwise, the West, although a smaller region, wouldn't watch at all. Then now we've got a G2 or NRG going to group stage, baby. There is a world, right? All right, here we go. Here's the copium take. Time oh for the copium take. Everyone, no. Oh, no. Here it goes. Right. Turn it off. Just, Cloud9 slash Fnatic. You know, they, you know, whoever wins, wins. Mad Lions upsets Weibo, right? NRG gets on in, so that's G2. And then you've got those three matches where Cloud9, Mad Lions, and G2 all get drawn against 
Uh, I guess it would be what? Dam one, uh, KT, actually for Monty's sake, we'll say LNG. Actually, either one sucks, Monty, right? Because <laughs> both oh, those can, teams can, are Can KT just have team. one easy match? Like if they get to quarters, can they have the easy team, please? The, wh- why is it like this? Why is it like this? There's a world where four Western teams can still make it on in to uh, the knockout stages. All right, there it is. There's there's the copium take, y'all. Not likely to happen, but will what will happen is that we'll have our next episode of Power Spike up and ready to go for you at our YouTube channel um, next week after the Swiss stage. I'm flying out to Korea. I'll be going over there to do interviews, hanging out with Monty, who's given us the full ride, the full service myself and our producer, Andrew, who makes everything happen. Everybody's coming out except for Dom. Dom's just yep. alone at midnight. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's uh, going to catch up on some much needed sleep after you know one of these upsets happen. Uh, Dom, co-stream's good. Everything else good? Yep. Life is good. Good. Monty? Uh, I've been uh, I've been doing some VOD review streams during the evening NA time. So that's been fun. And I'll continue doing those throughout Worlds. So morning, morning, my time in Korea. Um, for me, thanks to all the homies over at TwitchCon that came by, said hi and showed the love for the show. Appreciate it. I've got interviews with APA and Kati from uh, GAM Esports after the historic win and I guess after GAM's historic win. Uh, So make sure to head over to my YouTube channel to check that one out and make sure before you leave, like, comment, and subscribe to our Last Free Nation channel and check out the Last Free Nation culture channel. If you're a basketball guy, you can also check out our Last Free Nation sports channel uh, and support to make sure that we can continue providing content to y'all on behalf of everyone here. Thank you so much for watching Power Spike, and we'll catch you after the Swiss stages. Let's go, NRG.